0: Are at the gate and they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy.
1: All right, well, thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Hope everybody is uh, doing fine, and uh, to my uh, uh, friends of the Jewish Persuasion, Happy Hanukkah. I do believe today is the day that it starts, and so uh, we're all kind of gearing up holiday, but uh, there's uh, still good racing out there, and it's that time of year we're going to start looking down to Gulfstream Park uh, and the fairgrounds and the west coast because uh winter is coming in and so uh that's where we're going this week we're going specifically to Gulfstream Park they have five stakes on the Saturday card and uh, Four of those are graded. So to help us break it down, we're bringing in none other than the wingman, Eric Wing from Horse Tourneys will be joining us. And letting you know when you download your easy win forms, uh, all the different tournaments and levels uh, that you can play uh, over the weekend. I took a look at the schedule and it's pretty darn good. Prior to Eric Wing, we're going to have Eric Hamelback, who's the CEO of the National Horseman's Benevolent and Protective Association. You know it quite simply as the HBPA. And, uh, Eric uh, has a world of, of experience in, in the horse business. Uh, he was even the former general manager of uh, Adina Springs Farm. Uh, he resides in the beautiful Parry, Kentucky. And uh, he uh, attended LSU, um, and he had a Bachelor of Science in Animal Systems. So um, I reached out to him after reading an interesting uh, editorial opinion letter penned beautifully by Steve Asmussen about the interruptions caused in a horse's trainings when uh, tracks uh, just pick a day and say, hey, uh, we're not going to work the track today, so there will be no training, and uh, the impacts that's having on uh, his his membership. And uh, we're also going to uh, talk about the, the claiming crown. That was quite an unbelievable day uh, storylines abounded uh, all through uh, the uh, the day and uh, it was uh, <clears throat> uh, we'll, we'll let Eric to tell the story so Eric and Eric will be joining us now let's take a look at some of those easy win forms that I'm uh, telling you about that you can use in the horse tourneys Uh, Competition. Uh, The easy win forms, of course, just come on over to Winning Ponies. They're right there. They're relatively inexpensive and they got winners like this. How about yesterday at Tampa Bay Downs, a $1 Super 5 box paid $4,433. And on the same day over at Charlestown, a $1 Super, we keyed the winner. And it paid $2,033. And today, down at Gulfstream Park, $1 Super 5 Key, $2,300. Those are the easy win forms. You can check all the results. We post them right up there on the website at winningponies.com. All right, let's take a look at some national news. Uh, we've certainly got some things uh, shaking on, on the national uh, racing scene, um, starting with something that I thought was just a matter of time before it was announced, and that is the fact that the stewards at Santa Anita dismissed the complaints against Justify and Opportunity from the Baffert Barn. So uh, there was a lot of litigation. This has been going on for quite a while. A lot of finger pointing. uh, Joe Drape coming out with what he thought was some kind of blockbuster expose, but it turned not to be because at that time nobody had a good handle on what Scopel scopolamine was and as we found out it was something that uh, is uh, not allowed in a horse's system but it, it, it was incurred um, by hay delivered from this one farm because they weren't the only ones that tested positive. There was a slew of horses in uh, the backstretch that bought their hay from the same farm, and they too uh, came up positive. Plus, it's not a performance-enhancing uh, substance, uh, but anyhow, it got mixed in. They basically, you might remember the old Jimson weed from the cowboy shows. Well, uh, it, it got uh, it got mixed in there, and that's what happened. But it, you know, what can I say? Uh, you know, justify it was uh, in the 2018 Santa Anita Derby, <clears throat> and then for Opportunity, it was the Grade Three Tokyo City Cup. So thank God that is behind us. And, uh, you, you know, basically what would happen was the, uh, the, uh, classification of scopolamine, it, it was dropped. Now it's a class four. And so that would not cause, uh, you know, m- much of, much of a penalty phase, uh, for sure. And, uh, uh you know, m- Dr. Rick Arthur, he said he was of the opinion that the scopolamine found in Justifying Opportunity as well as five other horses tested back in 2018 was the result of environmental contamination and that the matters should be dismissed. It is the right thing to do so. Got that behind us. Here's a guest we'll probably have coming up pretty soon. Wendy Davis, Uh, for uh, years, uh, she uh, was at the top of the racetrack industry program for the University of Arizona. Well, she's been elected president of the Turf Publicists of America, a position that both Eric Wing and I uh, once, once assumed. And so, uh, uh, Amy Gregory did a great job. Of course, she's always busy with her Keeneland duties, but she took up the banner for a couple of years as the head of the turf publicist of America. And, uh, so now it'll be Wendy Davis's turn. So I want to talk to her. She's also got a new, uh, uh, position that she's influencing. And while uh, we'll talk about that, uh, but, uh, Congratulations again to, to Wendy Davis and then uh, my buddy Tom LaMara. He's on as a uh, a vice uh, a, a vice president. And uh, it was also uh, there was uh, a dead heat between uh, Delmar's Claire Crawford and Kevin Kirstein from Churchill Downs. So they're both going to be presidents or vice presidents, rather, for two seasons um, now. One of the things the Turf Publicists of America do is they announce their Big Sport of Turfdom Award. It really is a who's who of racing. And uh, it was announced uh, over the weekend that trainer Tom Amos was the recipient of the 2020 Big Sport of Turfdom Award. And uh, it's I was watching TVG, and all of a sudden, he just went right up. It was like... Uh, you know, shortly after it was announced, it was like he was, he was still kind of stunned, but, uh, Tom really was very gracious about, um, you know, receiving the award. And, uh, he spoke oh for five or 10 minutes or so on TVG talking how much it, it meant to him, especially, uh, after the year uh, he had had, you know, his father, uh, passed from COVID, uh, down in new Orleans, but, you know, Amos always, um, you know, you've know, you seen him on TV, you've seen his horses race, and he shares that information. I mean, he's uh, comes across very well on television. Uh, I don't know how he does all of his duties and gets the TV time he does, but uh, nonetheless, uh, he is deserving of the Big Sport of Turfdom Award, and basically that recognizes a person or a group of people uh, who enhance the coverage of thoroughbred racing by cooperating with the media and... We racing publicists. So I hope to get Tom on the show, too. Uh, We'll be working on that. Now, this is a loss to the racing game, at least on the track, not in the breeding shed. Princess Noor, remember how she set the world on fire with her first three uh, races? Uh, She's a grade one winner. Well, um, during Saturday's Starlet Stakes at Los Alamitos, Um, She looked like she was making the the winning move and all of a sudden she kind of like pulled herself up. Well, come to find out she uh, suffered a soft tissue injury in her left foreleg during the running of that race and she has been retired. I mean, uh, she's, she's, she's worth so much as is right now. I mean, she, she cost a million bucks. So, uh, Bob Baffert is going to lose one of his big girls. Now, this was a surprise just, uh, what was a week ago? Uh, we saw the Clark stakes and we're talking about Bodie express, finally getting in gear and probably be heading down to the Pegasus. Well, uh, nobody knew at the time that that was going to be his last race. Uh, they say it was a career ending injury as far as on the track. Uh, but, uh, it should, uh, it should go, uh, uh, to, to stud. They're still making plans. And, uh, so hopefully they, they will get that straight. So, uh, uh, Bodie Express uh, will be closing out his career with a record of 17 starts, four wins, four seconds, and earnings of 694. And also, we found out over the weekend that uh, he was a well-known trainer in uh, Northern California. Bob Hess, at 86, uh, passed away after contracting uh COVID and uh, everybody up at Golden Gate really was familiar with the guy. He spoke fluent uh, Spanish. He was leading trainer up there. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, he will not be with us anymore. And uh, so anyhow, uh, what a weekend it was for Kendrick Karamuch. Won his first ever riding title for Naira getting 23 victories at the 18-day fall meet. But he also Got his first grade one victory. Now, the leading trainer at Aqueduct turned out to be uh, <clears throat> uh, Christy Clement, if I'm saying that right. And uh, Clarovich Stables and Repoli Stables uh, were co-leading uh, owners. Um, so congratulations to uh, uh, Kendrick. You could just see the emotion if you were watching the race. It was it was just fantastic. He there were legitimate tears in his eyes, and uh, it's just one of those feel good stories uh, that we do get in the racing game. And uh, the uh, Voss Populi Award that was created by Penny Shenery that went out to 2020 Kentucky Derby and Breeders' Cup Classic winner Authentic. So. Uh, while Baffert had some bad news with Princess Noor, he got good news by knowing that uh, he's campaigning the the, the the public's most popular horse. So uh, uh, congratulations to all the connections there. Well, there's a lot more news, but the show's only an hour. So we're going to take a quick break and when we come back. We're going to be talking to the head. Of the HBPA, the national head, and that is none other than Eric Hamelback. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies.
2: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
3: stimulating talk gets
0: those synapses in your brain firing really fast all
3: the time the number one
2: internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com
0: you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show, Winning Ponies
1: with John Inglehart. All right, and with us, a gentleman by the name of Eric Hamelbeck, if you listen to this show he's no stranger to it. We like to get him in every couple of months because as the CEO of the national HBPA, there is always something on his plate and a <laughs> couple of things came up over the last two weeks and we'll take it one step at a time. Well, first, welcome back to winning ponies, Eric.
4: Thank you, John. I'm I'm always uh, grateful and honored to be on your show. I'd- appreciate all your tools and handicapping sources, but, uh, uh, appreciate more than anything you broadcast and good, good news for the industry.
1: Uh, it, it did. And I, I guess, uh, are you referring to the, uh, scoplamine, uh, th- 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 test that we touched on briefly there?
4: I am. Yeah, no, I was, uh, very pleased to hear the findings and I'm very happy you reported it again. It, it is, uh, uh, one of our missions is to continually champion the necessity for screening limits and common-sense levels. Uh, you know, our testing has just become so sensitive that, you know, we're picking up, uh, obviously, picograms, but now even into the pentagram level, and we've got to remain on a common-sense uh, frame of mind. And understand, and certainly, in the medication or the uh, the the contaminants that justify had um, obviously no sensible horseman would have given that because obviously it's a reverse when you talk about performance enhancing so uh, but it's common in the environment, and we've got to make sure we continue to fight for common sense levels and and screening limits on on contaminants such as that.
1: Well, I'm, just, I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to figure out what happened to the, the uh, writer uh, Joe Drape as a young kid. I guess he, maybe he, did, he always wanted a pony and he couldn't get one, so he he's out to get the racing associations. Because as you recall, let's rewind the clock about four years. He he was the one that headed up the witch hunt against Steve Asmussen that that turned out to be unfounded. I never see the apology after he comes out with the first stories.
4: That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, in today's media, even outside the thoroughbred industry, we all know negative sales. And that's why I appreciated you bringing something good. <laughs> Be careful to use the word positive, but good to life, <laughs> because, um, you know, as, as as one very prominent media person once told me to my face that uh, nobody writes about the banks that don't get robbed. Uh, and so, you know, that that to me is a horrible horrible frame of mind uh, to constantly be writing about the negative.
1: Well, Eric, um, you know, we are talking before we went on the air, of course, the subject of COVID Mm -hmm. always comes up. Well, what are some of the unique challenges that the the trainers and their staff have been facing uh, in this COVID world we're living in?
4: Well, I think the biggest thing has been the shipment of horses to other tracks, you know, the limited... Uh and, and rightfully so, the limited exposure that other tracks want to get. Um, you know, they're trying to keep things as as in proximity and in house as possible. I know it hurt us a little bit at the claiming crown, just talking with the management team down there. You know, there are some some trainers that weren't able to be there. Uh but ultimately I think one thing most horsemen will pick up on, like myself, you know, we are used to dealing in this sort of environment and, and not from a global pandemic environment, but from from a biosecurity standpoint, you know, we have EVA problems, we have EHV problems. You know, so horsemen in particular on the racetrack and even in the farm life, we're used to isolation, right? It, it happens frequently in the veterinary world that we live in and the livestock world that we live in. So we are accustomed to having pretty strong, significant restrictions on movement, um, on contact from outside personnel. Um, so that, that's not new for us. And I think that's why you see the success of, of, you know, spectator-free racing is a big phrase, but racing is still going on because horsemen adapt. Um, professional horsemen know what to do in these situations um, but I do think that the biggest hindrance has just been the lack of mo- mobility, uh, really, from crews and trainers to go from track to track whenever they see fit for a race. Um, but dealing in the biosecurity world that we live in, this is not uncommon for horsemen.
1: Well, you know, I'm I'm a silver lining kind of guy. And if anything good came out about the, the, this COVID deal, as far as its impact on racing, mm-hmm. is that at one point we were the only sport in town (laughs) it's kind of like the old days it was baseball and horse racing and now you, you, you turn the the tv on and uh you know they do show that the uh, racing has never been viewed by more people in the history of television uh, because they were so starved. And it used to kill me when I when I hear these sports guys go, "Well, there's no sp- no there's no sporting events going on." Sports. I'm like, "Hey, man, <laughs> wait you- a minute." <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 yeah, we you know, racing? watching watching ESPN
4: and you hear those guys talking about you know no no professional sports going on, and I'm jumping up and down. Uh, you know, trying to get a horse to the wire, saying, "No, wait a minute, there, there is there is professional sports on." But but you're right, it, it was a silver lining for us, and I applaud uh, all the entities, ownership groups that were were doing everything they could from a financial standpoint. It's still very expensive to get races on TV, but uh, you know the TVG crew was stellar, I thought, during that that entire yes. broadcasting. You know, being on Fox Sports Net and you know, they they just did a every everybody that was able to get it on TV did an amazing job, and and yes, we were very blessed from that standpoint uh, to get to get our our industry still broadcast and certainly highlighted in a time when people needed something to cheer for.
1: Well, speaking of cheering, you couldn't help but. Uh... Uh, cheer for a horse that uh, was claimed six weeks ago for $6,250, who went on to win an $80,000 race over the weekend. Uh, <clears throat> the claiming crown, as I recall, started at Canterbury Park many moons ago. And now uh, I didn't realize that you were partnered up with Toba on you know, the uh, following through of this event and it, it is amazing how, how it has grown and as, as you s- said the, the other day uh it, it, this is kind of people used to look at you know december is the end of the, the you know the racing calendar whereas what mm-hmm. happened over the weekend was an exciting event that kicked off the calendar
4: absolutely you know and and yeah i i, I definitely want to thank you know the the the, the National HBPA in its origin, 1999, in particular with the late Tom Metzen, who we memorialized in the Canterbury Stakes, um, but also with Toba, um, that group getting together early on and having that first set of races. There were six races that day uh, set an attendance record at Canterbury. Uh, so it was, a, was an amazing kickoff. We've been able to move it to different tracks throughout the country, but, for the last few years being settled at gulfstream it's it's a it's a perfect storm and you know and speaking with david jo- Joseph at the Gulfstream Park media team, I truly see it as the beginning of the racing year. I think most people like me consider the Breeders Cup that wrap up you know that's the championship um you know besides all the Eclipse awards, this, that, and the other. Um, but then you come just, you know, a month later, even though it's December of the same year, the claiming crown, while being able to be at Gulfstream, gives us the opportunity to really kickstart the next racing season. And, you know, having a horse like like Jesus' team come in uh, off the Breeders' Cup, has had an amazing campaign, and then, you know, put in a great race and win the Jewel, Um, and then to verbally say that's his prep for the Pegasus, uh, one of the richest races in the world. So, so for, for us, the way the claiming crown has shaped up the, the, the way the horsemen support it, um, you know, the team at Gulfstream now with, with Billy Badgett, Mike Lakeow, Eric Friedman, um, they did an amazing job, um, loved having once again, Sherry Holmes there to, to represent and. And give the trophy away for the Kent Sterling Memorial. Uh, Frost or Frippery won the last race, and just just an amazing man that really helped get the claiming crown to Gulfstream. And and with our partners, the Florida HBPA, literally we couldn't do it uh, without without Steve Scrinchy and and his board uh, giving you know all they have, uh, including purse money to put forth for these horsemen and to get this group of races together, kicking us off into the new season was amazing. Um. And setting a, setting a handle record once again, uh, 14.6 broke the record from last year. Uh, so it was great. Only the only yeah. thing that could have been better is, as if I, as if I was, uh, the jocks agent for, for Luis Saez. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I scratched my head when Kira
1: McLaughlin handed in his trainer's license. Now he's looking like a <laughs> genius, <laughs> but, uh, genius you know, you're, right. <laughs> yeah, you're a graduate of, of, of LSU and congratulations on the championship yeah. last week. And I'm sorry that we have to wait <laughs> another year in the Cincinnati area to see Joe Burrow out there. But I digress. You had yes. a bachelor of science in, in, in animal systems and he, here's Here's where I'm going with this. A little over a week yep. ago, uh, Steve Asmussen penned an op-ed for the Thoroughbred Daily News, and it really opened my eyes uh, to a, a problem that uh, that horsemen are, are facing. That's very real. That's probably not even given a a, a look by management, and that is when um, all of a sudden the costs. Cut some costs. Racetracks decide. Well, we're not going to open for training today. Um, and Steve, mm-hmm. very eloquently, um, he wrote uh, this uh, th- this piece. And I'm sure if somebody wants to go look it up at the TDN, they can. It came out on the first. Um, I, I never. You know, people have to give thought as to when you're getting an athlete ready ready for an event, and all of a sudden say, "Oh, by the way, you got to stay in your room today."
4: Right. Right.
1: I yeah, Steve,
4: uh, Steve and I have a really, um, I think, good relationship. And and I think when he and I discussed this scenario, um, I felt as if coming from him, this message needed to be put out there. And it's it's I'll back up a little bit and say it's a little bit more of a generic message um, to start off with and it revolves around the health and welfare of our racehorses. At the end of the day, the people who know the horses the best are the veterinarians that work on them and the professional trainers that take care of them and and the staff that handle these horses every day. So who better than to dictate safety protocols than those horsemen and practicing veterinarians? Well, what we have now is some not all, some groups that, that look at trying to shape protocols based on perceived public perception. Um, and those folks out there who know me, uh, they know that I cannot stand uh, that, that, that term um, you know, based on public perception. It's, it, it needs to be based on reality. Um, at the end of the day, I can't shape the feelings of what somebody perceives as reality, we need to face and shape our protocols based on reality. And what I mean by that simply is we need to listen to the horseman, we need to listen to the practicing veterinarian, you know, to to have a cost-cutting measure that many superintendents will tell you is not the right thing to do, but to have some sort of proclaimed cost-cutting measure to have a dark day, an arbitrary dark day that ultimately can interrupt training and can ultimately interrupt equine health and welfare. I mean, that, that's my bottom line. Everybody that, that, that knows me well from my days as, as a groom to general manager to now, my decisions are, I feel, based on what's best for the horse. And so what I'm going to try to do with, with Steve's passion is try to move the needle. We, we don't need an arbitrary day to be, to be off because ultimately horses are going to take a day off. Every athlete, uh, myself, you know, those of us who, who've, who've, who've had a good career in athletics, you know that one day you're going to need to take a break. But it's not every day the same or every same day of the week (laughs) and so you know there's there's no trainer that's going to argue the point that yeah my horse is going to walk one day but they need to argue the point that i'm going to decide what day of the week that is not racetrack management based on some perceived public perception
1: well i think also when you all of a sudden uh tap the brakes on on a day like that you're also tapping the brakes on maintenance of the track. So when you start back up, I mean, things may Mm -hmm. be very different from Sunday to Tuesday, you know, Uh, because there's nobody out there. Go
4: ahead. And and I've I've said it, um, and and I know, and I've learned it from superintendents. uh, You know, a racetrack is like a plant. It is very affected by the environment. And at the end of the day, it needs to be nurtured. And, and most superintendents are going to tell you, maybe not publicly, but definitely privately, you know, just having an arbitrary day that they're not going to work the racetrack, that sets them back. And what does it do? It sets back the safety of the track and ultimately the safety of the horse. We don't need any more of that. You know, this, this continual, um, push, which I think is a, is, is, is good and is needed, this continual push for safety needs to be listened to who takes care of the horses. Trainers, racetrack practicing veterinarians, you know, we have got to make them a part of any sort of safety protocols and management decisions.
1: I I wish they'd find this as important as the restrictions they want to put on LASIKs. (laughs) Yeah, right. Right,
4: you know, and, and again, I, I'm going to continue to say that and, and we will continue to, to voice that there's no proof that Lasix does anything negative for a horse. It only does positive things for the horse, and yet you, you hit the nail on the head. We have racetrack management and ownership groups that are deciding what's best for the horse instead of listening to science listening to professional horsemen and ultimately i think it's going to present a problem uh maybe not this year you know i was asked yesterday about you know well, what about when a 2 year old uh turns 3 next year and he can't have lasix uh, my opinion is you know for years of having lunch with dr copeland you're not going to have negative eiph episodes and probably until the third or fourth start But one thing we know about EIPH is that it is a progressive disease. So why are we going to just allow horses to get worse? So maybe we don't see a whole lot next year. Um, But I would venture to say we're not going to see as many four- and five-year-old horses running anymore because the progressiveness of EIPH is going to take a toll on those horses until they don't run anymore. Um, Once again, leading to shorter fields. But you're right. You're right, John. It, you know, we've, we're allowing people to, to dictate policy off of, off of perception, uh, and perception is not reality.
1: Right, right. If anybody's ever witnessed a horse come back from a race after bleeding, the, they might change their mind, especially if they knew that there was a medication out there that uh, does not influence the performance of a horse but can hel- help its health. No. Well, all I can say is, uh, you you know, you might – You must wake up every morning and go. What today, Lord? Because you're you're running up a huge organization, and exactly the things we're talking about right now, I guess, are kind of uh, put in your lap uh, to uh, to take care of, or at least to uh, start the conversations. uh, A with your own horsemen, and and B then to approach management and try to explain it to them. Um, I've seen, I've been there. I've been there when a casino has come in and taken over a track and uh, stayed on for a couple of years. And it, it's kind of frustrating to them, Eric, in that, you know, in a casino, they control everything. Every minute you're mm-hmm. on the floor, every day, you know, what the, how much lunch you have, da, da 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 They can't control this athletic event. This is... You know, this isn't their world. Yeah. You know, they can't tell a groom how to dress or whatever. And I, I think that's kind of frustrating to the management when they, when they uh, take over a racino. It was like wait a second, we need to tell them what to do. And it's like, no, 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 that's not how it works. Inside your building, that's fine. But you're hosting a sport right here, and we'll put that show on, and we'll do it the best we can. Well, Eric, I could talk to you for an hour, but I promise that we're going to (laughs) have another guest on, so I better be a man of my word. Uh, Continue the outstanding work you do, and uh, thanks for joining us again on Winning Ponies, Eric.
4: Thank you, John. Anytime. I love coming on. Just really, again, thank you for your message, and I appreciate what you do.
1: Happy to do it. Eric Hamill from the National HBPA. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be with the other Eric, the wingman, Eric Wing, will be joining us here on Winning Ponies.
2: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
5: And they're off!
2: What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick,
3: bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park
0: Winning Ponies with John Inglehart.
1: All right. And with me, a, a gentleman that is no stranger to our listeners here at Winning Ponies. Uh, he is the, uh, I'm going to say, communications director. I might have got that wrong. I'll find out in a second. Uh, of, of horse tor- tourneys. And for those of you that are listening to this show, you you probably like to play uh, in, in contest. And as Eric always updates us, um he's got something for everybody, whether you got, uh, deep pockets or, uh, just, uh, you know, the change that you hit away in your top drawer over the last couple of weeks, you can pretty much find, uh, find action there. And what's interesting is, uh, I f- do believe I followed Eric as the president of the church publicist of America. And, um, We had uh, a new president, I announced, Eric, uh, Wendy Davis, who heads up the racetrack industry program, where you and I first met out of the University of Arizona. Eric Wang, welcome in. How are you, John? Great to be with you again. I'm fine. I'm fine. I got through the COVID thing. I'm okay right there. So, uh, you know, can't can't complain. But... uh, you know, and then I was watching, and, you know, Tom Amos got the big uh, sport of turfdom. And of course, as I've been doing so much over the past few months, uh, I was watching TVG at the time, and uh, he was right, he came right on after they announced it and talked for about, oh, over five minutes about what an honor it was uh, to be the uh, big sport of turfdom uh, award winner. Um, I'm trying to think, um, well, let's see, you were. Uh, President, yeah, just before me, two thousand seven, two thousand and eight. So let me see who you got to pronounce. pronounce uh, give well, the trophy. I know one
5: to. of them was Larry Jones. Yeah, and I'm the pretty other sure was, one was Larry Jones.
1: Yeah, and the other one was Carl Nasker. Okay. Be, because uh, I I got I got to have lunch with Mike Smith twice, twice because the one year we had uh, Team Zenyatta won it because it was really hard to give it to one person that was such a great group effort and they were all there and uh then the following year for his outstanding job in the saddle mike smith won it uh on his, on his own so uh those uh it, i mean i still enjoy being in the organization but it was fun being probably a little more actively involved when you're uh, the president of an organization like that but uh congratulations to wendy davis and to Tom Amos. Well, uh, as always, my my mailbox. Uh, the, they they you don't have much time to just kind of sit on your hands. I I see you putting out a lot of press releases and and updating da- us. And uh, the one I got, I believe it was today, was uh, you were talking about this one hundred fifty thousand dollar guaranteed flow face off, and I guess. The FloCal isn't some kind of uh, diet product that's out there. It's uh, a combination of Florida and California racing. You want to educate our audience here, Eric? Sure, John.
5: It's a two-day contest on January ninth and tenth, a Saturday and a Sunday, and it's called the FloCal Face Off because on each of those two days, you have to make a a uh, a, a win place selection, one horse. In each race of both cards of of Gulfstream and of Santa Anita, and whoever does the best accumulating uh, win and place payoffs over the two full cards each day wins. And as you said, uh, the purse is guaranteed at one hundred and fifty thousand. And I'm happy to report, about five weeks out from the from the contest, that we're right at about one fifty now in terms of the purse. So with five more weeks of qualifying at horse tourneys, uh, including two a day for the next three days, uh, the purse is going to be well in excess of 150000 This is the second year we've done it. Uh, in the inaugural edition, Thomas Blosser of Cornville, Arizona, won $88,000 uh, out of a total final purse of $225,000. Uh, you know, we're cautiously optimistic, but we expect the purse to go well past 225k this year. Um, more and more people are playing with us. More and more people are playing from home. It's been kind of a a good backup plan, if you will, to going to the track. And more and more people just love contest play. So it's. It's been a, a, a very busy, fun year, and we're really looking forward to the cal and maybe giving away six figures to some sharp horse player in early January.
1: You know, I was uh, talking with, with Eric Hamelback, and uh, we were talking about uh, how the, the pandemic or whatever has kind of forced more people's eyes onto racing. Now, the sports world is catching up slowly now, but we had a pretty good hold on the sports scene and uh tvg did a very good job at i think educating people you could tell that they were in a teaching moment because rather than just give out an exact uh, payoff they would kind of explain no an exact is when you have the horse finish first or second you can box them da 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 um and i'm just wondering if any of that has uh you know, influence people where their confidence enough where they start betting the horses that uh, that that they are getting into the tourney arena.
5: Well, uh, we have seen that, and I I think what it's done is um, in the absence of being able to go to the track or the local simulcast venue, um, people are getting more and more cognizant that we're there at horsetourneys.com Whether it's because they want to qualify for the nhc or just play cash games and and i could just tell you both in terms of player volume and also seeing new names on the leaderboards that that we're not used to seeing it's kind of forced people you know how the pandemic has forced us into all knowing how to on Zoom. It's it's a little bit of the same thing with what we do at horse tourneys in terms of getting the people who said, ah, that's not for me, it'll never be for me, to realize, oh yeah, it is kind of for me. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. So, it's keeping uh, me busy. It, <laughs> yeah, you know, necessity is always the mother of invention.
1: Well uh I, uh this would be a, a good weekend to play down at Gulfstream Park, particularly on Saturday. Five stakes, four of them graded. And uh, what do you say we, uh, we dip our toe in there? I'll tell you what, when you look at these fields, I don't know if you noticed it, but a lot, I've got question marks by a lot of horses. Either because of the surface they last, last ran on, by the fact that during their career they've only run in two races and they might be a five to two shot say what in a graded stakes race um and then you got you know it's that time of year the three-year-olds are taking on the olders a lot, lot of interesting angles here equipment changes so let's jump right into it um i'll tell you what i want to make sure we don't miss the fort lauderdale so we might work backwards here if that's okay with you eric now the this race will go off at about uh, 20 to 5 on saturday It's a mile and an eighth on the turf, grade two, $200,000. And, uh, you know, it it looks looks to me like there's four horses that come to the top, but there's also chances for a price horse like Channel Cat. And uh, those four, in my opinion, are some like it, Hot Brown and Delaware, down on the inside. And then on the very outside, Factor This and Halliday.
5: Yeah, it's a really... uh excellent and hard-to-handicap race in a good kind of way. You know, not that it's inscrutable, but you've got so much depth. A lot of horses are all in the same ballpark. And the mile-and-an-eighth distance for turf is kind of a tweener distance in a sense. You've got some good milers like... uh, delaware and and uh factor this and you've got some horses turning back from longer distances part of the challenge for me is figuring who wants to go a mile and an eighth i'm concerned that uh some like it hot brown and delaware may want it a little shorter than a mile and an eighth um the three that i'm going to land on I, i think factor this is the best horse in the race from post nine has some other speed to deal with um but is coming out of, obviously, a very good race from a poor post in the Breeders' Cup mile. Um, I'm also giving a strong look to Suge with number four, uh, breaking the rules. Uh, give that horse a mile and an eighth and firm ground and... and um, He's usually pretty tough, and Edgar Zayas is riding that uh, Gulfstream turf course as well as anyone right now. And I'm even going to give some shot to uh, Doswell, number three, who's 20-to-1 on the morning line. Sometimes those Gulfstream morning lines are a little iffy, but um, might be a new horse for Barkley Tagsons coming over t- from the uh, Chad Brown barn. Gets weighed off. He's versatile distance-wise. So that's, it's going to be a, a 349 number for me with a little accent on the four breaking the rules.
1: Well, you know, you're talking about horses for course. You can't leave out Halliday. Uh, three starts at Gulfstream on the turf and three wins, but no exact wins at this mile and eight distance. But four of his last five starts have been 100 plus buyers. And who's hotter in Florida right now than Louis Sayas?
5: Yeah, and Todd Pletcher doesn't hurt either when <laughs> you're talking about <laughs> Gulfstream. Um, it, it, and, you know, you may have even undersold Halliday a little bit in terms of Gulfstream, three for three at the track. Um, I'm going from post 10, John. I will take a shot against Halliday um, from a poor post and never having been that long a distance of ground. So, like I said, there was about, out of out of 10 horses, I'd say there are eight that wouldn't be a surprise. How are they certainly among them? Just from a gambling perspective, I'm not keen on them.
1: All right, well, let's move backwards to what would be the first half of a daily double, if you're playing it here. The race previous to the Fort Lauderdale is the Harlan's Holiday, uh, named after the greatest Ohio bred that ever uh, uh, looked through a bridle. And in here, I got a lot of questions. you got horses that have taken turns uh, beating one another. you got the well-traveled mass, uh, math wizard. You, you've got this mystery pletcher horse that cost $2.5 million but is now three for four in his lifetime and he's a four-year-old it's only made four starts all of them coming in 2020 Uh, i gotta scratch my head there um but you know he's he's got uh, what looks like a good speed and then you got the horse that'll be coming late fat man uh, a proven contender at gulfstream and at the distance um i find it interesting that this tax was uh morning lined at two to one off only two starts in 2020 and hasn't hit the board. You want to explain that one to me?
5: Uh, it, a little hard to do. I agree. Um, did run in the Pegasus last year, albeit earlier this year, I guess I should say. And this <laughs> race, of course, is something of a prep, or, or you know, trainers are hoping to use this race as a springboard to the Pegasus uh, World Cup on uh january twenty third and and in taxes' favor danny gargan uh taxes trainer he usually does fire off of layoffs such as this one um yeah,
1: Tax not 41%, having runs in may forty one percent that's pretty damn impressive
5: that that's very impressive sure is and uh but you know on his best day uh, tax it ran a one oh one over a year ago, in the discovery at aqueduct i don 't know you know his press clippings have always seemed to be like a length or two ahead of his actual accomplishments. He could run well he 's going to have to be cranked up to run well uh, or to win on uh, on saturday he 's one of a couple i 'd be interested in, but um, and tatwege you mentioned for uh, on the outside the two and a half million dollar horse. Run four times, all going a one-turn mile at Gulfstream. Fletcher's going to stretch him out to a mile and a sixteenth here, hoping that he gets a good result. He's just never run faster than these, uh, really. I mean, his top buyers in 89, and he's stretching out from the outside post. You know, Fletcher will you know, have him raring to go. The question will be, is he good enough? The horse I'm going to land on is Fat Man. And it's kind of funny. This horse never gets bet. And I wonder if it's because of his name, but um he's run he's won four out of five times John during the second race of his form cycle, and this is second race of his form cycle. Three of those wins are coming at two turns um, i I just see him firing or at least being on his a game Saturday, and I'm thinking that could be good enough for him
1: all right we're going to have to tighten up your knowledge because we only got a minute per race for the last two. The shoes were all six furlongs, and they're not really the fastest horses in training. It, well,
5: uh, you know, it's a stake. you got some three-year-olds. you got some older. The horse I'm interested in, there, by the way, there's no faster horse early than you'll see uh, in almost any sprint in Ladies Island, the two-horse. I'm going to go with Golden uh, Golden Ami, or AMI uh, wow. for Josie Carroll. This horse, um, has, she has... Three siblings who have tried the dirt. All three of them have won stakes over it. Um, two daylight wins. Got Velasquez for her debut in Gulfstream. Comes back with Gaff Leone. I think she probably has more quality than these. And I'll take her to run down Ladies Island in the stretch.
1: All right, and we've got uh, a half a dozen going to post in the Grade 3 Rampart. A flat mile, interesting race. Uh, I kind of lean in a little bit towards Sally's Curl, and I think she's got the edge in uh, experience against classier horses.
5: I have to agree with you, John. I tried to come up with a reason to play against. Uh, Sally's Curlin, but I finally gave up that pursuit. Bayesian Girl, the morning line favorite for Rohan Crichton. Rohan is 0 for 8 uh, in graded stakes, and only one of those eight have even hit the board. Um, On the far outside, you've got uh, Latruska, who might be the best horse in a vacuum in the race, but hasn't been out for a while, comes in off a bad race, and his blinkers off. Seems like a lot of weird little experiments going on. Sally's Curlin, um, she's won, uh, he has won, excuse me, she has won her last five one-turn races that weren't grade ones, and this is not a grade one, and gets pace in front of her, so I'll go with Sally's Curlin. We'll ride on that one together.
1: All right, Eric Wing from Horse Tourneys, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on, and for you letting our audience know where they can find plenty of action if they'd like to uh, take a chance playing against others and getting some cold hard cash. Thanks a million for joining us Eric. Thank you John I, uh, I enjoyed it all right that was eric wing and earlier in the show it was eric hamelbeck who is the uh, ceo of the national Horsemen's benevolent and protective association a very busy busy man in his own right but everything he does is for the best for his members and for the best of thoroughbred horses i want to thank our producer josh and i want to thank mostly you for tuning in and listening we greatly appreciate it hope you'll be tuned in next week same time same place folks